Hey everyone, before we get going here on LGBT in the Ring today, um, while editing and and recording this show this week, uh, we learned of the news of the passing of Jim Crockett Jr., uh, the uh, iconic uh, promoter, former president of the NWA, um, the man who brought us uh, the heyday of Jim Crockett Promotions, the precursor to WCW, uh, the... <laughs> the man who had Starcade and, and pay-per-view uh, wrestling events and so many different innovations uh, created under his watch um, as the uh, the business mind behind the, the Mid-Atlantic promotion and that uh, promotion that ended up going uh, nationwide for a short time there. Um, it's, it's something hard to sit with. Um, it's uh, sad, but our, consult, our condolences to the Crockett family. And welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network. And we have a fun show in store today because my guest uh, is both cold and calculating, but also uh, has a very heartwarming story uh, behind his hitman uh facade i don't know what i'm going to call it a facade because that's like as we get into the conversation here it, it's pretty much it's pretty much him in in a way but his story is outstanding mr grim the hitman for hire is on the show this week uh talking all things mr grim related you know the shows that he's been on recently the shows he has coming up as well as his career and his coming out experience um, of course Grimm came out as pansexual back in January, starting off the new year right. And we get into a conversation about around that and, and why that felt like the right time for him and, you know, the build-up, the, the nerves that go into something like that, and, and really how the, his wrestling family, you know, particularly Nyla Rose and, and with a dash of MV Young in there, really helped him feel comfortable with choosing that time and places where he wanted to uh, share his truth with the world. And, you know, the response has been outstanding to see. And, and we will definitely get into all of that, as well as uh, the uh, intricacies around body bagging someone in a church. That's a fun thing. <laughs> but before we get there, I do want to touch on a couple of uh, current events that have been happening in the wrestling world. Obviously, last week we talked about the reports that Marty Skrull was backstage at the latest New Japan uh, Strong tapings over at the LA Dojo. And, of course, you know we have the update now, one week later, that uh, reportedly he is no longer going to be involved with anything New Japan-related, at least at this time, and uh, he will not be showing up on Strong. Um, so that that's a good decision on New Japan's part. Uh, it's still frustrating that he was even there to begin with. Um, but 
you know, I think that they heard the response from fans and even, you know, some of the fellow wrestlers, you know, in Emily Pratt's report with, with uh, Fanbyte, you know, she talked to some anonymous, an anonymous source that was surprised to see Marty there. So, yeah, like, it's, it's a good thing that, that, that this happened, um, because, like, abusers have no place in this industry. They don't. And, you know, speaking out, the t- the fallout around speaking out, you know, the response could have been stronger from a lot of promotions and a lot of organizations. Um, but there has been some response, some positive response um, in terms of rallying people around to keep a vigilant eye on the pro wrestling industry and making sure that people that were called out during that movement um, are not given platforms again. You know, and like I said, it hasn't been perfect by any means. By no, by no stretch has it been. But you know, the voices are still being heard, and then this is proof positive of it. I just really hope that New Japan maybe takes a chance to uh, vet people a little bit more and understand the some of the the cultural um, reception, uh, the public reception, reception rather, that these kind of decisions uh, entail. And keep that in mind going forward with who they want to do business with, because who you do business with reflects on you. Um, case in point, all this... I don't even know if I want to talk about the Joey Ryan stuff, honestly, because that was just such a underhanded situation there. I'm glad that it got found out. I'm glad that it got rectified. That show is not happening, and Joey Ryan is going to go back into uh, whatever hole he was in um, outside of all these spurious lawsuits that he has out to try and silence uh, uh, survivors. Um, but yeah, I don't know that, that I'm just glad to see how that situation rectified itself. You know, um, that being said though, some more positive stuff, you know, we talked a lot about with Mr. Grimm today about his coming out experience and, you know, due to some Twitter threads that have been, uh, hovering around the internet, there have been some more coming outs to celebrate in the past couple of weeks, I would say, most notably, uh, Ziggy Heim, yeah, Brooklyn's own Logan Black, who came out as well, uh, and then, of course, WWE backstage interviewer and co-host of The Bump, uh, Kayla Braxton, announced uh, her coming out as well, all this kind of centering around this uh, big conversation around the, you know, more queer representation in pro wrestling, and it's just amazing to see. Uh, it's just, I don't know. Anytime these conversations spark up, it's always fun to watch them play out and and um, to see how that sense of community can empower people to be able to share that uh, that part of themselves in that way. So Twitter did good for once <laughs> this week. Um, also, like a number of awesome events, both this week and coming up in the next couple of months, or have been announced. Obviously, Pero made his return to Major League Wrestling on Wednesday on MLW Fusion in a um, outstanding little squash match, but immediately jumping into a feud with Mil Muertes, which I am all the way here for. Uh, I enjoy me some Haas fights, and um, that should be a good tune-up before he heads down to, to Tampa for the uh, the tag team twink gauntlet that him and Odinson are uh preparing for, or I guess rather Effie and all of the Twinks are preparing for, really, because 
I don't know what kind of carnage is going to happen down there, but it's going to be uh, carnage. <laughs> in the best way, though. In in the best way. Um, also, uh, a number of shows announced recently. You have H2O and uh, Sean Henderson co-promoting a benefit show for Tara Calloway. Get well, Tara. Um, but that is going to be a fun thing coming up on March 28th. Um, we also got some more matches for the Polyam Cult Party, including uh, a match featuring our guests here today, Mr. Grimm and Chase Holiday. That's going to happen on that show. It's going to be uh, outstanding. Paradigm Pro Wrestling's No Hook continues. Episode 4 dropped on Wednesday as well. If you haven't checked out that show, definitely check it out. A very fun fusion of... Um, Hip hop and pro wrestling, and with even like some mystery and supernatural element, it's just it's all over the place, and it's uh, ticking all the all the the boxes for me. It's just a fun hour every week to check out there. Um, oh, and that reminds me, another name that I forgot, Austin Connolly uh, announced. Like, I I don't know if that was his coming out, but it was the first time that I heard. Uh, so. Congrats to Austin there. That's amazing to see. And then, of course, uh, a couple of shows that are very centric to our guests here this week. Wrestlers Lab and Enjoy Wrestling. Of course, Enjoy, the second episode of Canned Heat, is going to be coming out the same day that this drops um, on Thursday over on their YouTube channel, uh, Enjoy Wrestling. So the first episode was great. You know, Mr. Graham and MV Young advance. We'll see uh, who will advance out of the matchups between uh, Solo Darling and Lee Moriarty and Ziggy Heim and Still Life with Apricots and Pears. Um, those are those are going to be two fun matches to watch. And, of course, Wrestler's Lab has the Alchemy uh, series coming up. Uh, I believe that's set to debut sometime in April. But uh, the tapings are coming up in March, and we at LGBT in the Ring are proud to be a sponsor of Alchemy by Wrestler's Lab. Uh, so, yeah, it's outstanding. Also, I guess the the news will probably drop soon here, too. We're also a sponsor for uh, Invictus Pro Wrestling's uh, In Bloom show that's coming up, which is featuring, um, you know, talent like Joshua Wavra, Xavier Faraday, um, I believe AJ Gray's on that show as well. Just some fun stuff. Big Game Leroy. Some some awesome stuff coming out of the, the Northeast there with them. So yeah, we're we're out there. Um, we're out there with the pressing scene. We're also out there with the tabletop scene because we are also sponsoring uh, Flying V Theater's upcoming uh, The Game Live uh, tabletop pro wrestling mashup sort of thing coming up uh, in March, which is going to be uh, fun. I, 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 you know, I was speaking to the people out there running that program, and they like we started chatting about that. Um, right as I was planning a recent D&D campaign with my partner and some friends. So, synergy all around. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that that's it for the week. Um, well, I mean, there is the AEW pay-per-view coming up, but you know, we'll talk about that when we talk about it. Um, but, yeah, it's just been... There's a lot going on this week, this month, the next two months. The rest of the year, who knows about this, like... Soon enough, we're going to be back into Pride Month, and and all kinds of stuff's going to be happening. But of course, um, a lot of stuff will be happening before that too. Oh, I I can't forget the Cassandro Cup. Of course, the Cassandro Cup is coming up on March 28th as well. It's just 
all kinds of things happening. And I, ah, uh, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. It really, really is. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we'll get all that out, out of the way for now. Check out all those awesome uh, shows, talents. Congrats to the people that um, found the power to speak their truth. And let's get to someone else who found that power earlier this year, the hitman for hire, Mr. Grimm. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I am very excited to have as my guest this week the hitman for hire who recently, back in January, came out as pansexual but has been making a name for himself in multiple companies. You know, we know him from 1CW, know him from Wrestler's Lab, made his debut with Enjoy Wrestling on last week's debut episode of Canned Heat. Um, and also has an AEW appearance under his belt. Mr. Grimm, welcome to LGBT in the Ring. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing all right, doing well. I'm, I'm very happy to have you on the show. Um, you're somebody that obviously has been making some some news in the past couple months <laughs> <laughs> since, since, yeah. since coming out in January. Um, but, you know, I think it's... It, it's been interesting to see like that that profile come to you and how, and how you've handled it because you've handled it like very very well and very positively and it seems like you've channeled that a lot into your your wrestling going forward because you've had a lot of um fun appearances so far this year and another uh, another slew on the docket coming up with the alchemy tapings for wrestling for wrestlers lab coming up um later this month so I'm curious, like, I, I want to talk about your origins in wrestling a little bit, but before we get there, let's, let's talk a little bit about the coming out moment, because I think that's the thing that's been on most people's minds as of late. Um, talk me through the process of, like, coming to that, that place for you where you felt like it was something that you felt comfortable doing and that you felt it was the right time to do it in January. So I've been, um, you know, Nyla and I, we've been cool for about maybe five, six years now. And, you know, she's always known about it. And I've talked to her, you know, about, you know, possibly, you know, finally coming out because it, like, I had a lot of anger and I had no clue that, you know, one of the things that, you know, contributed to that was the fact that, you know, I wasn't living my life or being, you know, comfortable in my own skin. It was always, I had this image to uphold and, you know, I held it back, you know, who I was because I didn't want, you know, others to look at me differently or, you know, like talk talk about me negatively, like more than what they already do, you know, accepting me because it's already hard, you know, being a wrestler, being an African-American wrestler at that. And, you know, now it's, hey, he's not only just an African-American wrestler, now he's, you know a pansexual African-American wrestler, like, and I'm, it was just, I didn't know how people, you know, would take that or how, if, if they would even accept it. Mm. But it was to the point, um, you know, I talked to Nala probably about last year. It was um right when it was like during the COVID, the whole COVID thing, like, even though it's still going on, but it was like, you know, last year is like around when it was fresh. And when I was ready, that's when the speaking out movement happened. And it was like, oh, man. Like, you know, because I finally got to the point where I'm like, all right, cool. I'm ready to just go ahead and be open. And that happened. And I felt that 
you know, I didn't want to take away from anybody else's stories. So, I, you know, I kept it to myself a little longer. And it wasn't, you know, because I was scared or anything, but it was just out of respect. Like, I didn't want, you know, other people's stories not potentially be seen because people are focused on, you know, me coming out. So I held it in a little longer, and it was like, you know, I wanted to do it, you know, like November, you know, December, and it didn't happen. And I was just like, you know what? Why not just start my year off, you know, right? And one thing that helped me, you know, not even just, you know, Nala at this point, it was the fact that um, I saw a post that MB Young did, and, you know, he said that he was pansexual. And, you know, at that point, that was December 31st. Mm. He had posted it on Twitter, and I was just like, you know what? Why not just start the year off right? Like, if any time is, you know, the best time to do it is with a new year. You know, they have the, you know, the saying, you know, new year, new me. And a lot of people are still the same person back then. But me, I took that personal. And I wanted, you know, 20, like, as shitty as 2020 was, I wanted to start my 2021 off right. And as soon as I did it, it, it was crazy because, you know, I did it. And I was nervous. I just put my phone down after that. Even when I was writing it, like I was nervous. And me, I'm an individual, I don't get nervous. Like even with matches, a lot of times people will say, how can you hold your composure like this? Like, you know, I don't, I work better under pressure. You know, when I was in college and I was doing papers, I would literally wait, you know, until the night before to do like, you know, a 13, 14, 20 page essay and ace it because I work better under pressure, but, you know, this pressure, like, even when I was writing it, like, my heart was jumping, you know, I was sweating, I was like, you know what, no, I'm not going to write it, I put it in the draft so many different times, and then I was just like, you know what, it's whatever, like, you know, whoever doesn't like me, they don't like me, but I'm a, typically a person who doesn't care what people think about me, so I was like, why am I caring about this? So, what I did was, you know, I posted it, and, you know, I literally put and like my phone down, I like I closed Twitter and just left it alone for like an hour. Mm. When I got back on, I had a thousand something notifications. Like <laughs> I was like, yo, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a, a fun shock to come back to, I would say. I mean, it was. And it was like what made it even better was I saw how many people you know, just welcomed me with open arms and, you know, supported me through that. And, you know, I had a couple of people say that me coming out, you know, helped them to, like, you know, want to come out. So that really means a lot to me because, you know, ultimately I want to help others who are, like, you know, in my position to be able to come out. Yeah, I mean, that's that. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people approach, at, like, in the moments, you know, after coming out, because like, yes, that whole coming out process is super nerve wracking for even the most like solid constitutions, I would say. But yep. at the end of the day, it is about providing representation to to a community that might not have it, you know, and and I think that it's it's admirable like that. That will be one of the first things on, on your mind, especially with people already responding, like within the same day about how that that affected them how did that how did that resonate with you like going forward like seeing how quickly that response was for other people like seeing you as an example i mean it really helped me out you know to be comfortable with it 
But what I was saying, like, before any of that, like, I, I believe it was y'all, like, the page um who posted it. And it was like, all right, at first I was just going to keep it on Twitter and leave it out, like, off of Facebook. But then y'all posted it on Facebook. <laughs> so when y'all posted it on Facebook, I was like, shit. Uh -oh. And then after that, I was like, you know, because I was trying to find a way to tell my mother. But, like, after it was on Facebook, I'm like, you know, I hurried up, like, you know, copied it shared it like gave it to her because i want her to hear it or see it from me before she saw like you know like other people sharing it so mm -hmm. i said to her she read the um you know read the article that y'all did and like her response is what made me just really not care about anybody else because you know my mother has always been supportive in everything that i've done but you know once i got the message from her and she said you're my son I loved you from the first day that I saw you, and I will always love you regardless of who you are and what you do. And it was just like that moment right there, I was just like, like all of the built up, you know, stress that I had and, you know, frustration and worrying about what people would think, like just went away. And then I shared it on Facebook. And, you know, from there, I just, I didn't care anymore. Like, you know, this is me. And, you know, if you can't accept who I am, then, you know, tough. Like, you don't have to be cool with me. You don't have to share content. We don't have to speak. You know, but right now, it's just, I, I feel good. Mm. Like, I, this is the happiest that I've been in a long time. And, you know, now that I can comfortably talk about it and, you know, not try to hide it anymore, it, like, it really makes me feel good. How much did it help you to have people that were already in wrestling that you were like somewhat close with be able to be there and support you through that whole thing? Like, obviously, you talked a lot about about Nyla, both in, in the, the post on Twitter, as well as in other conversations you've had around this. But you also bring up like MV Young, who, you know, y'all have a, a history in the ring and out of the ring, obviously, with Wrestlers Lab and that Wrestlers Lab championship. But how, how influential was it to have like MV and, and Nyla more so? there uh to help support you as you came to that decision to post that that message it was it was very important because you know with nyla she literally coached me every step of the way you know she told me that if i wasn't ready you know don't do it like you don't have to do it she literally said you don't ever have to do it if you don't feel comfortable with doing it but if you do it and you need help like need help with to say i'm here for you i would say like my um you know, me, Nyla and I, us meeting, probably, you know, it definitely changed my life. Because mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be cool with a transgender individual. And it was funny because I had messaged her, like, I think seven, maybe six, seven years ago. And I had messaged her, like, randomly. Like, you know, hey, how are you? You know, I was just trying to get, like, advice. And, you know, see if I could possibly, like, you know, hit the road with her one day, you know, and network and stuff. So she initially told me that she started not to even pick the phone up. <laughs> I mean, that's the phone. She started not to message me back. And, you know, I'm glad that she did because, you know, we spoke. And then she said, um, I'm just putting this out there. I'm transgender. Like, are you okay with that? I'm like, why wouldn't I be? And she was like, you know, some people you know, really aren't cool with that. But like me, I didn't care. Like, but you know, what brings up my point is being cool with her, like helped me to understand, you know, 
the community more because I learned about, um, like I learned about, you know, the words that people don't like, like some words that I would use were, she was like, if it wasn't me, like some transgender people would take this offensive. So, like, you know, I learned the different pronouns and, you know, you know, she taught me a lot about, you know, just how to be respectful and to be, um, you know, understanding and considerate of other people's feelings, you know. So it, it definitely helped me to be able to, you know, communicate a little better because I, you know, I wasn't used to this. So I didn't know, you know, you know, sometimes when people say trans, some people might take that offensive and I'm just like, you know, I'm, you know, it just helped me out being able to like understand and for her to, you know, teach me exactly what to say and how to treat other people in that um, aspect. Mm. It almost sounds like she was like a, like a LGBTQ mentor in a lot of ways for you. Definitely. Why? Mm. <laughs> I don't know why that alarm went off. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, but so so before you met Nyla, had you already started like like kind of recognizing your your identity or like like realizing who you were or and anything like that? And did that lead well, you at all to to reaching out to Nyla? Well, I've been like this since I was young. Like yeah. I would say probably around seven or eight. That's when I like first started you know, recognizing, like, what was going on, but, like, back then, it wasn't accepted as it is now, so with me being in D.C., and, you know, just imagine if I would have came out back then, I would have got teased, and, you know, like, back, like, just being a kid, having everybody against you, and, you know, you being an outcast because of something that you can't even control, like, that wouldn't have been fun at all. So, like, for so long... I've just been trying to, you know, keep it concealed. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that that definitely weighed on you because it seems like this this whole experience has been very very freeing for you. Definitely. <laughs> like, you, look, if you only know, like, I mean, every time you, like, I just like you know think about it, like, it just you know brings me joy. I'm just like, I feel good. Like, I'm happy now. No, it's it's really awesome to hear, and and it's been really awesome to see the the response in, in the wake of your announcement, and just you know see how how you've been able to to um kind of relish in it in a way, and also to see people respond to it as positively as they have. Um, it's it's been awesome to see, uh, just from from an outside looking in perspective as well. So yeah, congratulations. No, I never actually got to formally congratulate you on coming out. So other than writing the article. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, I really appreciate you writing the article because, you know, that article being, you know, written, it definitely helped me to be able to, you know, express it to other people because, you know, like I said, I wasn't going to post it on Facebook at first, but like once the article got shared to Facebook and I was tagged and I was like, it forced me to, you know, like just accept it, man. Like no need to hide it anymore. Whoever, likes me they like me if they don't they don't you know i've been blocked and unfollowed by you know a couple of people who i consider friends you know after it came out but you know i've gained so many more you know followers and supporters so you know with them doing that it doesn't even matter like i'm not even affected by that 
I just I'm just very happy to see the 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 support that is that is rallied around you in all of this. It's been amazing to see. Um, and obviously, a lot of that does uh, dovetail into your wrestling career as well, because you know you're you've been fairly successful as a as a pro wrestler over the past uh, number of years as well. Um, and that all kind of starts with with an origin story, and I want to get the origin story of Mr. Grimm. So, where at what point in your in your life do you see pro wrestling for the first time, and where does it like sink its teeth into you? Probably when I was about three years old. Oh wow! And that's when um, I was watching. You know, I used to be a really big Hulk Hogan fan. So <laughs> it yeah. was funny because I used to try to rip my shirt like he did. I could never do it. Um, you know, I had like the little Hulk Hogan beat up buddies, the Hulk Hogan cereal. You know, I was just, you know, like Hulk Hogan is, you know, he's the person that drew me into wrestling. So you start watching around age of three, and and you you're the you know, rocking on as as a as a Hulkamaniac at that point. Um, at what at what point like do you find is there anyone else that you latch on to as as you went along in watching wrestling that kind of like showed you more of like what you wanted to to be in pro wrestling or what you wanted to see in pro wrestling yeah i was a big wcw fan mm. and but i would say probably like when i was around maybe seven or eight you know i was watching wcw and it was dean malenko chris benoit sting hulk hogan you know just you know that brand like just listening to them get slammed on the mat. That sound that it made in WCW, like, that was cool. Hearing Tony Schiavone, like, even when I was younger, I always wanted, like, Tony Schiavone, like, to call one of my matches. And, you know, it hasn't happened yet, but, it, like, it, I'm hoping it does. But just that whole thing, and, you know, like, I believe it was, was it Starcade when Sting beat Hulk Hogan and, you know, everybody had the celebration. Like, yo, it was you know, that was just cool, you know, just to be able to see, you know, icons, you know, duke it out and, you know, Sting come out there, hit him with a the scorpion death drop and then win, you know, and it is, yeah. No, no, I feel you like that, that whole like, not like middle, not mid 96 through 97, that, that where Sting turns to Crow Sting and you have that whole run up to that Starcade match. Like that's one of my favorite eras of pro wrestling like i i grew up a wcw kid as well um yeah. and so like yeah i'm totally with you on that and the matches between dean malenko and Rey mysterio uh are just legendary stuff dean malenko eddie guerrero like any anybody like that whole era um was amazing to see and it makes total sense that that would be like what you would would suck you in because i think it sucked a lot of people in um as well it was just you know wcw was just unique you know, even though WWF had their thing going on, but it, it wasn't like WCW, especially, you know, when they would have the shows and we have the pool around the ring. And, you know, that was very, I used to love that. No, I'm right there with you. Like, it made me want to go to Panama City and try and get into Club La Vila just so I could, like, <laughs> actually see, like, the pool. Um, I never got in there, but it's whatever. Like, it, it's just it's just such an, a unique look to it. And I think that it's something that's, that um is still true today in pro wrestling like place like buildings or, or settings with unique looks to them always like draw the eye a bit more i think yeah 
So at what point do you start feeling like this is something that you want to do for a career? Well, when I was in high school, you know, I wanted to be a wrestler. I did look up some schools, but I never knew like where to find them. And like, you know, back when I was in high school, like 2005, 6, 2007 is when I graduated. You know, the internet really wasn't as abundant and detailed as it is now. True. So I really didn't know how to get into it. It's like, you know, go to a school, but like, where are these schools? How much do I have to pay? And I'm like, I don't know. So I started playing football. Hmm. And um, I played semi-pro. And um, after a bowl game we had in Florida, I ended up getting recruited from semi-pro to college. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so, I mean, that was honestly what I wanted to pursue. Like, I wanted to try to, you know, see if I could have a career in football. But, um, you know, it didn't really work out like that because I was, you know, one summer, like, when I was on break, my bandit broke down. So I didn't really have a way back to school. So, you know, I started working, and I was doing security. And one day my friend asked me if I wanted to do security for, like, a, a wrestling show. So that right there was the moment that I say, you know, was the turning point for, you know, me and wrestling because this was like my very first indie show. I didn't even know they did independent shows, like in my area. Mm. It was um, RCW and it was at Two Barns Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. And, you know, when I went there, you know, one of the first people that I saw was Mia Yim. And like when I saw her, I immediately like fell in love who is that? Like, I just could not take my eyes off her at all. And it was like, Black Cheese was there, Greg, excellent. Um, you know, it was a couple of other people that were there, and it was just like, I watched the show, and it was just amazing. You know, I was like, yo, I want to do this. Like, and I asked, you know, Nui Tofika, and I was like, hey, man, how would I do this? And he was like, you got to find a school, you know, train, and then, you know, pretty much go from there. I mean, I found the school, um, which is now MCW, but it was Gilbert's at the time. So I went to his school, signed up, and, you know, like, at the time, I really wasn't making money like that. So, like, $200 a month really didn't work for me. So, you know, I stopped. Then I started doing backyard wrestling. And the backyard company that I was wrestling, they signed a professional company. So that helped me, you know, start training. So I got in through them, started training, and, you know, like, the rest is history. I started, like, I did it and then never looked back. That's interesting that you, the route that you took because, I like, um, I think the backyard wrestling is, is definitely a, a, a thing that comes up from time to time, and I think a lot of people um, that are – in you know, around or involved with pro wrestling at some point engaged with the backyard wrestling scene at, at, at some time. What was it like to, to, to do that for a company that ended up turning into a, 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 a pro independent company? Like that seems like a fun, like an interesting transition from running backyard shows to like being an actual like indie. I mean, it was definitely, you know, like being at the right place at the right time. And it was weird. But, like, because once, like, how everything was with the pro, like, with the backyard company, 
you know, like transitioning from backyard and then meeting like the professionals, it was way different because they have, you know, it's like high school all over again, uh, like how I would say, and, you know, they have their cliques and everything and, you know, it's disrespectful to say certain things or to act a certain way. And me, like, like I was coming like from out of DC, you know, I was the type of person, if I didn't like, you know, what you were saying, like we were fighting or, you know, like, you were getting cussed out, like something like that. So it's like, you know, coming, being in an environment where people that will say whatever they want to say to me. And, you know, I had to learn, you know, I can't fight everybody here. I can't, you know, snap on them, cuss them out because that scene is being disrespectful. Mm. So, you know, transitioning from that, you know, really helped me to mature and to learn how to, you know, channel my inner grim because um, it, it was definitely hard, especially mm. where, like, you know, people would say stuff behind my back. And, you know, one day I, like, I pretty much just got tired of it. And in a group chat that we had, I was like, I mean, I pretty much just went off on them. I was like, look, it's a lot of y'all talking behind my back. I'm coming up to y'all as men and asking y'all, do y'all have an issue? Y'all are saying no. And I keep hearing things. If y'all got it issue with me everybody has an issue we can line up one by one and i will beat y'all's ass one by one and then if y'all want we can shake hands after that but y'all are gonna stop talking about me you know and not being man uh, admit what y'all are saying so you know they were going back and forth and i was like you know what and it was funny because it was a show coming up with tito santana i was like all right well if y'all got it like y'all got an issue i'll see y'all at the show and it was like, yo, Tito Santana would be there. Like, that's not even professional. And I was like, yo, I don't care about that. Y'all about to catch these hands. Like, and, you know, from that moment, like, I almost got blackballed because it was a lot of guys there who were never about that life, who probably got bullied in high school. And, you know, because they were a vet in this company, they felt entitled, you know, to be dicks. And me, I'm not that type of person. Like, before I met y'all, I would throw hands. I would say whatever's on my, you know, on my mind. Like, you know, even though it was a time where I was bullied in high school, I mean, not high school, but bullied in, like, elementary school, but I ended up whipping that bully's ass and never had a bully issue again. Mm. So that was kind of my thing. I always had a, like, I felt the need to have to prove myself to people when here the best way to prove yourself is by your actions. You know, mm. yeah, you're going to eat shit for a little bit. People are going to say things that you don't want to hear. But at the end of the day, you know, they're your vets and you have to respect them, you know, to a certain extent. Like, you're not about to sit up here and, you know, do bodily harm to me and think I'm just going to, you know, take it. But, mm. yeah, I, like, it definitely helped me mature, you know, transitioning from, you know, backyard to a pro because I, you know, got to learn what it takes to be a pro wrestler yeah and it sounds like you like had a chip on your shoulder from a very early age like you know with the being bullied in elementary school and like kind of carrying that forward but i guess it's just a process of like figuring out how to like maintain that chip as like a motivational thing but also like not letting it impact your like professional setting in, in that way especially like moving into a different realm like that yeah, I mean, when I first started, I was a hothead. So I had to learn how not to be a hothead. Because, you know, in 
in my neighborhood, like I handled a lot of issues with my fist. Like in this world, you have a lot of individuals who are never about that life that if you want to throw hands, you know, just in a respectful manner, like, hey, look, we have issues. You know, you don't want to talk it out. We can duke it out, whatever, and shake hands after. You have a lot of people who aren't about that life and didn't want to do that. And all they want to do is, oh, I don't like him, so let's get him blackballed. Mm. So I had to realize, you know, this what I want to do. Like, if I want to be in this business, I have to learn how to, you know, handle myself in a professional manner because it's called professional wrestling. And, you know, because you have an issue with somebody, punch them in the mouth is not professional. <laughs> no, it, it isn't. Although it is very, like, on brand for, for Mr. Grimm, I would say, as, like, the in-ring competitor. <laughs> but but no. Like, I totally I mean, understand a lot of people, they, Like, a lot of people think that, you know, this hitman thing was a gimmick. Like, you know, for the neighborhood gang that I used to run with, you know, I was the guy that, you know, if they had issues with somebody, like, I would be the one to fight them. Like, that was the whole hitman thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hey, look, we got an issue with that neighborhood. You know, you know, they will put their guys against me. And then, you know, granted, I won the majority of them. I took my share of L's, but it only made me stronger in the, you know, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Did that like having that background for for yourself like make it easier whenever you got into the industry to like look at who you wanted to be like already seeing yourself as that person and having those experiences just channeling it into like maybe a little bit different more a different direction in a way yeah it it did help and um you know like I said earlier in the conversation you know Nala was a big inspiration mm-hmm. you know to my career. She was actually, you know, a major, you know, player in the development of Mr. Grimm. Oh, really? Like, she's actually the one that came up with the body bag thing. Oh, Like, a lot of people don't know that, but, like, yeah, like, one day I was just sitting there minding my business, and Nala called me, and then she was like, Grimm, Amazon has body bags on sale for $25. Take that information and do what you will with it. And then hung up the phone. <laughs> so I just—I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to like recover real quick. I just want to know what Nyla was doing to come across a, a sale on body bags on Amazon. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I mean, continue. Let me cut up, you off. You know, stuff for my gimmick. <laughs> like she was probably looking up stuff for the gimmick, and you know, after she hung the phone up. I immediately went on Amazon and got me a $25 body bag. Nice. And, and thus uh, uh, a character is born. A, per, a persona is born. Uh, that's because like, you know, the, the body bag thing is an interesting, is an interesting addition to, to the character, I would say, um, because, you know, we've seen like other instances of body bags in pro wrestling, obviously, but, None that like is like specifically tied to the sort of like contract killer character like that you have, yeah. I would say. And it makes for I, I will say it makes for a stirring visual after your matches. Like watching the 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 uh match this past weekend enjoy like you like putting Sean Phoenix into that thing and just carrying him off. Like it's a it's an intimidating uh <laughs> cut, I would say. Yeah, because I mean it's it's very different and you know some people really don't know how to um, you know process that it's like 
yo, he literally just beat him, put him in a body bag, zipped him up, pulled him out of the ring and carried him away. Like, you know, how, how do you explain that? Or how do you like, like, that's not the norm that you see, like, in wrestling. And it's it's real funny because I did a tryout for um, Evolve. And um, Steve Carino was watching my match. And I, you know, put my opponent in a body bag. Or went to, no, I went to put him in a body bag. But I had the referee stop me because I wanted to show it. But I didn't actually want to do it. So he was saying, you know, how the body bag is kind of distasteful. And, you know, it's kind of not, it doesn't really fit in professional wrestling, but now look at it. MLW has a guy putting a guy in body bags, and you know AEW they have you know Darby Allen with the body bag, and like and it's just it's crazy. Like, and the thing is, like I've worked for both of them, and um, I don't remember either one of them doing that until after I made my debut there. Because mm. um, it was funny. I did, you know, I had a um a match at MLW. And I talked to, um, you know, one of the guys in charge, and he was telling me how, you know, they've seen my stuff, they like my stuff, they just didn't have, you know, anything available at the moment. So I was like, all right, cool. Then, you know, like a year, some change, like, or a year, maybe two years. Yeah, like two years later, I see they have uh, their guys putting people in body bags. And I'm like, yo. That that must have been frustrating, I would assume. I mean, it was, but you know, it is what it is. You know, people are going to do what they want to do. And, of course, when people see it, they're not going to be like, oh, hey, you know, that guy Grim was putting people in body bags. They're going to be like, oh, man, like on MLW, did you see that guy put the dude in the body bag? And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, it is, it is, but I mean, I'd say like that the, some of the uses are a bit different and I think that your use fits your character to a T and definitely leaves an impression. And that's the main thing that I would assume that you want to do in pro wrestling is leave an impression. So exactly. definitely accomplishes that. All right, Jens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get a five-day free trial and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get five days free. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, 
the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. So you obviously have the 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 split with with the uh, the backyard turn turn pro crew there. Um, at what point? Um, what, what was the first company that you kind of like landed on your feet with that kind of like helped you feel some stability in pro wrestling? I would say it had to be Wrestlers Lab. Really? Because um, it's a weird story about how I actually debuted for them. Because um, and I found out later on. That Chris, when he found me, he was, um, you know, looking up a guy named Eddie Blackwater. Mm. And he looked at my match between, it was me versus Eddie Blackwater at Dojo Wars. So, as he went there looking for Eddie Blackwater, ended up booking me. Like, that really says a lot. I would say I mean, so. So, my first match... He put me up against Dickie Moon, and that's like a hippie. And, you know, the whole match, I mean, it was it was fun. And, you know, I had a chance to actually show people, you know, what I could do because I was, you know, trying to make a name for myself. Yeah. So what ended up happening is, you know, after I won, like I put him in a body bag and, like, carried him away. And then it was like people were like, holy shit. He just put him in, like, a body, like, a body bag. And it was like, it was something that people really weren't used to seeing. And, you know, really, like, I even had somebody write an article up about that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how, you know, how crazy that moment was. It, like, and I feel from that moment, that's when I started, you know, progressing and, you know, moving up. Because then the company with um, Wrestlers Lab, before, you know, they started doing their own shows, their whole gimmick was, you know, it was like experimental and they were booking people you know, booking new people every show, and then they were doing pre-shows for companies. Hmm. So the company that they did a pre-show for, they ended up booking me. And then, you know, from there, it just, you know, went on. What was what was Chris's reaction to the body bag thing, whenever, at, seeing it at, at your debut match there? Well, he already, like, see, one thing about Chris, what I admire is that Chris does his homework on people. Yeah. So if he's looking you up, he's going to he's not just gonna watch one match. He's gonna look up the stuff that you do, look at your page and go from there. So he already knew what I could do like when he reached out to me to to work. Yeah. So he was already for it. No, that's awesome to hear. Like I I, I that's one thing I've really liked enjoying uh enjoying watching with the development of wrestlers lab over the past couple of years is just like how out of the box the thinking is there and like the people that they feature you know whether it be like you or or envy young or um trevor aeon you know like so many interesting characters and so many interesting personas that come through there that you don't necessarily see at a lot of other like places with a, with a higher profile initially but end up making those jumps just like like you did and like another number of other people did 
what was it like whenever you found out that you were going to not just be winning the, the wrestlers lab championship, but that you were unifying the two, the nucleus and, and the wrestlers lab championship. I didn't know what was going on until after, um, until like the match happened because they were like, um, it was for the nucleus championship. And then as I'm in the ring, you know, preparing for the introduction, they were saying, hey, this match has now become, you know, a unification match. And they bring out a championship. And I'm like, wow. No, it's, 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 I think that that moment there, like, it was really awesome to see and, and to have them put the faith in you to be the first Wrestlers Lab champion to unify those those two together and put you at the top of the company. Like, what did that do for you in terms of your, your confidence when um, – uh, looking at your pro wrestling career? Um, it really made me feel very comfortable with, you know, seeing I'm, I probably did something right to be put in that position because for them to make me the first, you know, champ, the nucleus champ, and then be their first wrestler's lab champion. I mean, I'm literally a first and I'll be in the record books forever. So that really says a lot about how they feel about me. Hmm. now obviously like continuing on with wrestlers lab here um like you did lose the belt to mv young and what was actually a really interesting like match during that period where he was doing a lot of stuff on the roof of the the polyam mansion i would say yeah like that looked like a lot of fun to shoot but it also kind of took a more serious tone than some of the other matches that he shot that way like obviously like the match with him and pinky was way more like humor infused and the match with him and, and Leroy was all, all kinds of different things. But when it came to you and, and MV, it was very much like just this looked like a street fight in a lot of ways. Um, talk to me a little bit about that match itself. Like what, what, what was it like to try and tackle that sort of uh, challenge? Uh, very. Um, it was very, it was a very taxing situation, I would say, because <laughs> first of all, we were on top of a roof. Like, we were on a roof, and it was hot outside, and we had to try to keep going. It was like they were doing a cinematic thing. So it was like we had to do something, then stop, then record it this way, and then stop, and then do it again this way, and then stop. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> So I was like at a point where Envy, um, you could clearly tell that after I speared, I mean, hit Envy with the pounce, like he was just so over it. <laughs> oh, for so, sure. <laughs> yeah, like, cause I hit him and it was kind of like, you know, we were supposed to go like a little bit longer. He was just like, yeah, you know, let's just go ahead and, you know, try to wrap this up. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him taking a pounce on, on concrete. Like I, I might be wanting to kind of like, you know, do the wrap it up symbol as well. But yeah. I mean, and like see the other thing, like he wasn't really used to he um he's not used to going with a guy as physical as me. No, well, I mean all this kind of plays into the return because obviously uh Wrestler's Lab, they had the Alchemy uh mini series coming up. Like they're I think they're starting taping in March and it's gonna debut sometime in April over on uh IWTV. What was it like for you to get the call back from from Chris to be like, Hey, like we're we're doing alchemy, we need you back, we need Mr. Grimm. 
I mean, I kind of figured that it was already going to happen. Like, I'm one of the main players there. Like, I was literally on the very first WrestleSlam show. Mm-hmm. So, for them not to have me and for me to be a champ that long makes no sense. No, I mean, and, and I think in the in the same way, it definitely does. Like, it's you've been a mainstay there, and I think it was really awesome to see you come back, especially with the the all the new talent that's coming through there, and all like the 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 talent that hasn't really been in this this environment with Wrestlers Lab there, and some of the people that have come through that door. What are you looking forward to the most with the, with these Alchemy tapings? Um, since it's going to be an IWTV, I'm just looking to get more eyes on me because I've, um, I've noticed that a lot of people that I'll reach out to on IWTV, like they don't give me opportunities. Hmm. Like they don't. So it's like, you know, maybe if I have a company on there and they see me on there that, you know, they'll reach out to me or be more willing to give me opportunities because if you notice when it comes to like IWTV a lot of them book like the same talent Hmm. so just trying to get into that umbrella it's just like like I'm trying because that's what's popping right now and it's like I want to be a part of that but you know I can't make anybody give me an opportunity yeah and and I think that like viewing anything that's going to be airing live on, on IWTV like that is, is definitely a good way to view it as a proving ground in a way, or as a, as just a, a way of getting yourself in front of the, in front of the people that, that you feel like you need to, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that's like IWTV is big right now. You know, they have a lot of good things going and I feel, you know, once I'm seen on there more that, other people will be like, oh, man, you know, we need to have that Instagram guy. No, for sure. And and you're not just going to be showing up on IWTV, though. You're already on another uh, show that recently debuted with Enjoy Wrestling, their debut series, Canned Heat. Um, you were on the first episode in a match against uh, Sean Phoenix on, on their YouTube channel. And I have to say, like, I, I've been very public about this. Like, I enjoyed the show. It's, it's, a, it's a quick watch. You breeze through it. And, but at the same time, it's thoroughly entertaining. And you don't even realize how, how long it is. And I think that's a quality in a wrestling show that um, is overlooked sometimes. But the action itself in the, in the ring was, like, really, really fun and really interesting. And I love the fact of, like, how many different you know lgbtq people they have working on the show whether it be wrestlers or you know meg announcing effie in the uh in the commentary booth you know just there's just they seem to be all throughout there and being very open about making wrestling um an inclusive space what was it like for you to um get the call from enjoy for the for their first show um it was a wonderful surprise <laughs> to be honest because you know we had spoke beforehand and I was supposed to debut on their um, their debut show that got canceled due to COVID. Mm. And um, when they reached out to me, it was actually my birthday. Oh, that's a so, nice birthday present. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. It was like, I'm on Twitter and then get a message. I don't usually get messages on Twitter. So it was like, hey, you know, we're running the show. We'd like to have you. And, you know, pretty much went for there, from there. And I'm like, yo. I definitely want to be on that show. 
And I, I mean, I'm glad that I did because it's like, enjoy. I feel enjoy is going to be one of those companies that's going to blow up and everybody's going to want to be a part of and everybody's going to support. No, it definitely has that feeling already early into its lifespan. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the the people running the 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 show there, you know, coming from that concert festival background and kind of like putting not necessarily like like revolutionizing the presentation, but like adding little different pieces here and there in terms of like, you know, you know, wherever like how they're operating cameras or like just choosing the venue that they did. That venue was spectacular. Um, exactly. Yeah, like what? What's your opinion so far of like seeing their approach to pro wrestling, and what does it make you think about the the future that Enjoy uh, potentially has? All right, so for starters, you know it looks like they have all their ducks in a row. Like as far as you know, having the um the production, you know, like the catering there was like excellent. Like I don't know if you saw my picture on um on Twitter. But just the the table where they had items for the wrestlers, you know, that really shows, you know, their mind, like, you know, the mindset they had when it comes to taking care of their wrestlers. You know, we had um, little cozies, they had bath bombs, they had, you know, Japanese Kit Kats, they had water, tampons, they had a medical box, like protein shakes, fruits, like all kinds of stuff like for us and you know they even had catering wow and you know that a lot of shows don't have like catering and stuff like that for us but going back to what i was saying you know like are talking about you know what they're doing it's just amazing like just by looking at their video like it looks it looks excellent and, you know, it being in the venue that it was in, it really helped set the tone for everything that was going on. You know, so I feel they have, you know, pretty soon, like, I feel Enjoy is going to blow up. And I'm just glad to be a part of it. No, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think that they have a very a bright future ahead of them. Um, and, you know, they've already got, like, just the roster for this tournament alone is is a good, is a solid foundation, you know, going forward. And, you know, I, I can't wait for the next episode. It's going to be dropping the same day that this episode is dropping. So that'll be awesome to see. To get to see. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've really become a, a big fan of Ziggy Heim um, recently. And I am stoked that she's there along with you and MV and just everyone on these shows. Like, it's just such a good uh, group of eight that, that, that have been brought together for, for this tournament. I mean, it's, you know, uh, when I was there, I, you know, kept asking myself, you know, what did I deserve? What did I do to deserve to be in a locker room full of so many talented people? You know, like, it was just an honor to, you know, even be considered to be in that locker room because it's a lot of good names in that locker room with people who, you know, it's only a matter of time. So just to be in there in the atmosphere, you know, it was you know, I was blessed, man. Mm. No, for sure. And, and it's it's fitting that you say blessed, considering that it was in a, a renovated church. <laughs> I mean, you know, that is a first body bagging somebody in a church. You know, There you go. <laughs> 
you know, I hadn't even really, now that you say that, I hadn't made that connection <laughs> in my head, but now that's a whole new dimension to that. That, all right. Yeah, it's like, how sinister do you have to be to body bag a person in a church? <laughs> pretty, pretty cold, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, you know, out of all the people that are doing these body bag things, I don't think anybody is body bag anybody in the church. No. I would have to agree. I would have to agree. Uh, so I guess as, we, as we're winding down here, I do want to ask you about one more thing coming up for you because I just saw announced for the Polyam uh, Cult Party 3, you and Chase Holiday, Mr. Grimm versus Chase Holiday, one-on-one. Um, that just feels like a hoss fight and a half to me. Talk to me a little bit about getting the chance to, to step in the ring with Chase. I, I'm I'm very curious to get, hear your thoughts. Well, my thing is, I take every match that I have, you know, I take it seriously. Like, even though, you know, we know who's going to win, know who's going to lose, I study my opponents. Like, I watch videos of them. Like, I was just watching a video of him from Glory Pro into like a triple, I mean, fatal four-way with him, AJ Gray, and two other people. Like, I'm going to know what he does. So, you know, when I get out there, I'm going to know how to counter things, know how to do this. You know, like, I'm going to make sure that I'm prepared. You know, (laughs) I've started diet. And after watching the type of wrestler he is, I'm going to have to step my game up. Like, because a lot of people, they're, they're asking, you know, me, oh, how does it feel to be in a ring with, you know, Chase Holiday? But I want them to know after that match or to be asking him, oh, how was it, you know, being in the ring with Grim? Oh, he did this, did that. Like, how are you still, what? like, I'm going to make sure that I'm properly prepared for that. And, you know, it's good to be able to be in the ring with somebody who's, you know, starting to make a name for yourself that, you know, is a very powerful individual because I don't get to wrestle a lot of guys, you know, my size or bigger. So it's good to be able to, you know, have that horse fight feel and just to be able to go out there and, you know, just lay it in. Because if people are thinking that's going to be a wrestling match, you know, you're totally wrong. It's going to be a fight. No, I mean that. I think that's what I fully expected to be. Just knowing both of y'all's like styles and and just how like looking at how things might mesh up together. Like, yeah, like this is not gonna be like this is this is not gonna be like grappling like Matt based. This is just gonna be Smash Mouth, and I am all the way here for it, like wholeheartedly. <laughs> like, I just hope you know. Yeah, I I hope you are ready because. You know that Matt, things are gonna get interesting. No, I am. I'm here for it. I am very. I am very much here to see if you have a body bag that you can put Chase Holiday into. I'm sure you do. Okay, the body bag I have is OSHA approved, and it okay. can fit the majority of people in it. But I do have an extra large body bag. <laughs> if you watch the match with um, you know, the body bag match that Joey Janela and I had, like you'll. See See that body bag and that one's significantly bigger than the other one mm. so he'll fit in one of them if not both 
no worries. I'm sure that they'll both be in, in your briefcase whenever the time comes. So like I like I said, I'm excited for the match. I think a lot of other people are. You know, I don't think I'm trying to remember the last like and was it like whenever you wrestled Wardlow on AEW Dark, the last time you were in the ring with somebody that was like comparable in like to to your like size and strength in the same way that Chase is? Um, let me think. I'm trying to think who I wrestled recently. Mm. Um, you know, probably so. Like a lot of the guys that I go against are like significantly smaller than me. No, I mean that 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 it works out for you well, though. I mean, I think that I because the other thing is that you're deceptively agile as well for for uh, you know a, a a powerhouse guy and. It, I don't know. It's just it's just amazing to see what you what you can break out whenever you want to in, in the ring. Like it's just you're you're the you're a whole package, really. You know, and I'm not trying to butter you up. Like I'm just like I'm just watching more of your stuff over the past few years. I'm like, no, nah, this like why why isn't Grim in other places? Because like I really go back to the, the Fight Club stuff, like that the the match with Trish and and Darius. Um, for the for the Pan African World Diaspora Wrestling Championship, like that was really my my first introduction to you, and then I kind of went back and forward and different things like that, um, and just like seeing like all the different styles that you can do and how you implement them, like it, it's it, it's very visually interesting to watch you in the ring. Yeah, and it's crazy because I, um, you know, like if you look at the tweet that Sean Phoenix posted. You know, he was saying that, you know, I'm like the strongest guy that he's ever been in the ring with. And I like I don't even know my own strength. And it's scary. <laughs> because we were literally practicing our spot. And um, you know, I practiced the power bomb and to lift him up. And like when I was lifting him up, I literally ripped his shirt, like, you know, just from grad like just imagine. I have him, I did the power bomb and I'm lifting him up. Like, you know, picking him back up and his whole shirt just like ripped right down the middle. Jesus. Like I ripped the shirt in like the middle of the shirt. Oof. And I was just You like, finally did the Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, it was in the middle of the shirt, not the top. <laughs> you know, rip the middle of your shirt. Like the top is still intact, but it was the whole the middle was just shredded. Oof. And I'm just like, you know it amazes me at like, you know, even like bigger individuals, like, um, do you know the dude, um, black Taru? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you see how big he is, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I did that same spot with him. Jesus. Like I power bombed him, picked him up, got him on my shoulder and did, you know, the GMF. Poof. You really don't know your own strength. Do you? I don't. And like, to be honest, it's like when I go out there, I don't think about it. Like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. And, you know, um, I had a match, like, probably it was, like, last year sometime. Or was it? Yeah, it was, like, last year sometime. And um, it was this guy. He's about, like, I would say close to 400 pounds. And, um, you know, when we were practicing, I told him I wanted to give him, like, a DVD. And he's a guy. His name is Corey Bush. And, you know, he's not used to getting picked up. And when I was trying to practice it, you could tell. Like, you can tell he's not used to being off his feet. 
So I went to practice it, tried to get him to, um, you know, help proportion his body and stuff. So on the last try, you know, I was like, all right, cool. Well, this time we're actually going to go for it and I'm going to pick you up to do it. So I got him. We went through the spot, got him up on my shoulders. And like this guy, he is not properly proportioned at all. So I held him up like on my shoulders and, you know, didn't gave him like a DVD, but like I tried to do it in the match and it was like, you got to remember, we were like literally going at it and like hitting back and forth. And it was like, I tried to get him and him, he's not used to being picked up. So he really didn't know how to hold himself up there. So I, I went to get him, tried it. Nope. Went, got him, like got him off and then like just fell. And like, we kind of used that as the finish. Where it was like, you know, me trying to pick him up just, you know, tired me out that much to where it was like, I just couldn't do anything else. But if they would have known while we were practicing it, I literally picked him up on my shoulder like this, you know, almost 400 pound dude. But, um, yeah. Oh, that's, that's wild. God. It's a whole new appreciation for what you, you can do. Like just looking at like the the matches that you've had and knowing exactly just how far it could go, like Lord, it's just whew. that's amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I tell people it's a lot of things that I do that I haven't even you know really pulled out yet. <laughs> well, maybe we'll we'll see you pull them out as we keep going with this enjoy tournament or whenever you uh, get into to alchemy for wrestlers lab coming up in, in the spring or anywhere else you might be showing up because I have a feeling like once the IWTV audience uh, sees Mr. Grimm, there's going to be other places where Mr. Grimm might be popping up. Yep. I'm, I'm telling you, man, like it's only a matter of time. Oh, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and talk about your experiences and everything. Uh, Grim, let everybody know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, you know, Instagram. All you have to do is go to, you know, Google search, go to your search bar, put in either Mr. Grim wrestler or the hitman for hire Mr. Grim and all of my stuff will pop up. Or if you go on my Twitter, I have a um, link tree on there and you can click all my links from there. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice and and compact. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Grim. And thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. My thanks once again to Mr. Grim for, for coming on the show, taking some time out of his day, and um, not opening his briefcase uh, when when speaking with me. Uh, no, I, I, I kid, but, but Grim is you know, an outstanding in-ring competitor, um, and I'm super, super happy that he is um, putting himself out there in the way that he is and already, like, finding the the support and providing the representation and, and the, the figure for people to see. Like so many others, hundreds of others in this industry are right now when it comes to the LGBTQ community and even more when it comes to other underrepresented communities in this industry. It's, you know, it's an amazing time to be watching and enjoying all that pro wrestling has to offer. Check him out tonight on Enjoy Wrestling's Canned Heat. Well, he won't be on tonight. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But check out Enjoy Wrestling's Canned Heat anyway. See who's going to be joining him and MV Young in the semifinals uh, of the tournament over there 
um, this tonight on their YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash enjoy wrestling. Um, yeah, it's outstanding. It's, it's a fun show, a quick show too. And, and I, and that I can't say enough how, um, how enriching it is that they pack so much good stuff into such a compact little place. Um, but yeah, uh, that's going to do it for us here this week. Uh, come back next week. We're going to have a whole lot to talk about next week um, because uh, stuff is happening. Stuff is coming up. We detailed a lot of it in the front half of the show. Uh, but yeah, we got to cover it all because that's what we do here. We are a wrestling show, right? Anyway, uh, until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. And wish me a happy birthday on Sunday. Everybody's ready to die. 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 Everybody's ready to die.